understand that there's people in the world that something died inside of them, a hope died inside of them, a vision died inside of them, a dream died inside of them, health died inside of them. Their kids' desire not to live any longer is killing something inside of them. And us, as the body of Christ, the body of Christ, we have to be willing and able to receive them with love. your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. And I need you to get your pens or maybe you want to highlight it in your, in your Bible app. But there's three components to this beautifully written scripture that I want to show you about reaching out. 2 Corinthians 4 6. This is what Paul writes. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts. Underline that or highlight that part. Light shine in our hearts. All right. To give us the light of knowledge. Underline that part. Light of knowledge. Of God's glory. Underline that part. Glory. Displayed in the face of Jesus. In the face of Christ. So I want to say that there's three components of searching and reaching that Paul says, Jesus fulfills all these components. See, I want to understand that there's some people that go to Jesus because they want to be clean. There's some people that don't go to Jesus because they're going through tension, transition, and trouble. There's some people that won't go to Jesus because they heard Jesus turns a good person to a great person. Many people come to Jesus for different reasons, but the Bible says God is the I am. That he fulfills those needs. So this really smart preacher named Ravi Zacharias Oh, it would be really cool if you guys would subscribe to his podcast. Ravi Zacharias. He's really good at defending the faith. So Ravi Zacharias says this. The pursuit of the uh, Israelites, the Hebrews, was idolized and symbolized by light. So Paul says here that the light, the Lord is my light and my salvation, he says. So these people that sat in darkness... They have a great light. And Paul throughout the whole New Testament is talking about light, 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 light. And then he says, but the Greeks' pursuit was symbolized by knowledge. Knowledge. So Paul says here that these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. So the Greeks was not. So it says here, the light of knowledge. So he is showing that, listen, Hebrews, Jesus is enough. Listen, Greeks, Jesus is enough. But the Romans, they wanted glory. The Romans was about glory. And he says in the scripture, right, the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So he's trying to say that the Hebrews are looking for light. Jesus got you. The Greeks are looking for knowledge. Jesus got you. The Romans are looking for glory. Jesus got you. So in all you're reaching, and all you're reaching, understand that Jesus Christ is the culmination of what you're reaching for. So he was pointing those people reaching for branches to the roots. So this week we want to talk about reaching, and, and we're going to look at some people over the next few weeks. And understand, I usually preach messages that are easy to decipher for external application, Right? But these messages, you need the Holy Spirit to help you discern what season your life you're in and how God has called you to reach. Because every season of our lives, we have to reach for God. 
And that we have to, I pray the Holy Spirit will tell you that we need to build our soul, our spirits, reach to strengthen our soul and spirits, not just reach for our prosperity. It's easy to get amen when you say we got to reach for our prosperity. We got to reach for our church to grow. We got to reach for for uh, to get a house. We got to reach so you get vineyards you there plant, houses you there built. It's easy to get motivated for that, but we have to learn to let the Holy Spirit fire us up to be motivated that we can be blessed in our soul. The Bible says in Third John chapter one verse two, "Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things." And be in health just as your soul prospers. The soul, before we prosper everything, we have to make sure we're right with God. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the people that have reached out to Jesus, the sick. We're going to look at the women that issue of blood. We're going to look at the seeker, Zacchaeus, who came to see who Jesus was and was rewarded to be uh, have Jesus as a dinner, dinner guest. The shouter, blind Bartimaeus. And we're going to look at the sincere, the Syrophoenician woman who did not take no for an answer. All these people reached out to God. So today, turn your Bible to the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 43. We're going to look at 8, I mean 41. Look at Luke 8, 41 through 48. Say amen when you have it. We're talking about reaching out to God this morning. We're talking about reaching out. Reaching out. Victory Outreach is called to reach out to the world, but God is looking for people who will reach up to him. And as we reach up to him, God will release us to reach out to others. Luke chapter 8, verse 41. Say amen when you have it. Amen. We're going to go scripture by scripture. I'm not going to read the whole thing and then break it down. We're going to break it down scripture by scripture. So 841 says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. Let's stop there. Jairus' name means Jehovah enlightens. This man was a religious leadership figure. He was a ruler in the synagogue. Now understand, that the synagogue sect hated Jesus. Jesus was the enemy. He was a leader in the circle that hated Christ. But he's seen here falling at Jesus' feet, desperate. Now, this is something I want to share with you. How would you and I react? How would we act as a church when the world who hates us now come to the church crying out for God in the future? See, there's some Christians waiting. Oh, I'm waiting for you because I'm going to tell you something. Before you hit that altar, I'm going to stop you in the front row and say, you know, I told you you were going to come. I told you it was no good. I told you. No. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me learn you first. You know? <laughs> I saved all your Facebook posts talking about the church. <laughs> we have to forgive. We have to forgive. There's a remnant of people who don't like the church. And there's a good chance that they're going to come to church. They're going to seek God. Like the way Jairus came and threw something at the feet of Jesus. It didn't say, and then Jesus proceeded to stomp him out. It didn't say that. <laughs> and then Jesus and his boys jumped him. It didn't say that. 
and then Jesus says, it's about time that he lived in his sin. And then say, Jesus picked up and started going to his house. See, his daughter was dead. See, understand that there's people in the world that something died inside of them. A hope died inside of them. A vision died inside of them. A dream died inside of them. Health died inside of them. Their kids' desire not to live any longer is killing something inside of them. And us, as the body of Christ, the body of Christ, we have to be willing to and able to receive them with love. He begged Jesus to come to his house. Are you ready to go to the house of people that need the Lord? Jesus is saying, well, first got to come to my house. Remember, Jesus did miracles in his house. Remember, they broke his roof. Oh, you gotta come to my house. Oh, you gotta come to this river. Oh, you gotta come to where John the Baptist, John the Baptist is. Oh, you gotta come over here. Oh, you gotta come to this garden. He just proceeded to go to his house. Write this down. The proof of humility is the willingness to reach. This guy is going to Jesus, understanding that I'm probably gonna lose my job. I'm going to lose my social standing. I'm going to lose possibly my house. I'm going to lose everything I work for. I'm possibly going to shame my family. But that doesn't matter because I need my daughter to live. The proof of humility is the willingness to reach. Sometimes we need to be desperate for a miracle to happen in our kids. Now, we're not even looking at Jairus this morning. I'm reading this portion to show you that the Lord can move concurrently in the lives of the whole world. We're talking about the woman with the issue of blood. She's coming up. But Jesus, he talks, this man comes, comes to the feet of Jesus. Jesus says, let's roll. Let's go to your house. Let's heal this girl. And on the way, another woman touches him. Another woman gets healed. I want to let you know that even though we're praying for Sister Cookie's miracle, God can touch your kids at the same time. Even though you're praying for a new job, God can also lead your family to the Lord. We can't limit God. We can't put God in a box. God doesn't have a supply prayer problem. He has a, 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 a demand problem. See, the supply is there, but there's not enough people praying and align, aligning their lives for the blessing. Can I hear an amen? amen? Let's go to verse 42. We continue for, he had only a, only a daughter about 12 years and she was dying, but as he went, the multitudes thronged him, what's all around him. There will always be spectators to your seeking and finding. Jesus is here to meet your public need and your private need. Jairus had a public need. The woman in the issue of blood had a private need. Our willingness to reach births our ability to change. Let's look at verse 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who has spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, any. 
So we see here this woman, she did everything in her power. See, sometimes you do everything in the natural, and you just need the supernatural to affect your situation. There's an amazing pastor, Victor Evans on the answer, Pastor Jerome, Jerome Carradine. He just, uh, his ministry just celebrated 20 years. Matter of fact, Brother Warren comes from Victor Evans on the answer. Amen. And, um, matter of fact, uh, Sister Raylene is part of his bloodline too. Her dad reached uh, Pastor Jerome many years ago. So, Pastor Jerome once uh, preached at a conference. He said that churches collectively are like the woman with the issue of blood. They spend all their money hiring consultants, all their money getting new graphics, new websites, everything. And what churches need is to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. So I want to let you know, we think God only responds to our pain. But more often than not, God responds to our pursuit laced with faith. So you think just because you're in pain, God has to respond. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. So just because you're crying and in pain doesn't mean that God is always going to respond. He responds to pursuit laced with faith. Remember, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. And that we need to ask in faith and ask with a heart willing to obey. Can I hear an amen? Amen. See, this condition of blood made her untouchable and unapproachable. And that's the anointing that Victory Outreach has. To reach the untouchables and unapproachables. You know, I was talking to Daryl a few weeks ago. Like a few months ago, and uh, well, I go to the gym periodically <laughs> on, on Broadway, uh, Planet Fitness, and these guys do the three cards and uh, the, the caps and you know all this stuff. And they know me. Ask Ethan, I will buy them. I know you're too good for me. I, I, I need my money, right? They're really good, these guys. And Daryl used to do that, right? He was a hustler at one time, right? And I was thinking of a building fund. No, I was <laughs> so, but Daryl used to do that. And I'm wondering why he was doing that. Did, would anybody ever believe in the future that he would be uh, a disciple of Christ? When Jimmy was pushing a shopping cart, when, Je- when Kenny was running the streets, when many of us was living blind, the untouchables and unapproachables, and that's why when we go evangelizing, we have to continue to reach those people. Can I hear an amen? amen? This woman couldn't go to the temple. This woman could not go to the temple. She couldn't go to church with her condition. She couldn't go to the temple. This woman was lacking fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. No one could touch her. Apparently, she had no money, no friends, and no fellowship. She was alone until one day she saw the man that could fix all her problems by just touching the hem of his garment. Verse 44, it says, came from behind and touched the border of his garments and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Now, this story is also recorded in the book of Matthews, chapter 9, verse 21, and it adds this insight that I love that I want to share with you. First, Matthew 9.21 says, For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, 
I shall be made well. She said to herself, success is an inside job. Sometimes you have to get it before you got it. Sometimes you have to get it in your spirit before you got it in the natural. She said to herself, when you come to church, what do you say to yourself? I wonder what time is going to be finished. <laughs> Are they doing offering before pastor preaches or after he preaches? <laughs> she said to herself, success and miracles begin on the inside. What we often habitually think about, we bring about. What we often habitually think about, we bring about. Stop meditating on what you don't want and start focusing on who God is and what you do need. We put, see, remember, my oh, but Pastor Ed, I can't meditate, I can't meditate, I got this thing in my mind, I'm all over the place. Worry is meditation in the wrong direction. If you could worry, you could meditate on the Lord, right? I used to have the gift of worrying. I could draw up some scenarios in my head. <laughs> like, oh, we're going to Olive Garden. Watch, there's gonna be 500 people there. They're gonna give me the people, and I'm gonna go to Target, and the people's gonna be out of the zone, and while they're trying to beat me, I'm not gonna get the beep, and then I have to wait for another half. Watch. I was really good. I was like a negative prophet. <laughs> I was the prophet of doom and gloom. Right? Like, watch, we got these Yankee tickets. Watch. Watch somebody be in our seat. Watch. I told you. And, you know, we have to learn to start looking for the good. We need awareness of God's power because God is always moving. God is always communicating, but we're not always listening. Now, the hem of his garment has many spiritual implications. Some people say there was tassels that reminded of the law. The Old Testament showed that oil would flow down and be captured at the hem of the garment. So I say that to say, allow your theology to build your faith, right? So she's approaching this situation, and she understands that there was significance to the tassels, there was significance to the hem. She used the theology to build her faith. Some people use theology just to build confusion, or they use theology just to argue with other people. Use your studying of the scriptures to build your faith, to um, pour in the power of God into your subconscious mind. Right? Have you ever learned something so much? Have you ever dri driven somewhere and you got there and you realized, man, I was thinking about something else the whole time. I was driving almost, I wasn't even thinking about the route. I was driving almost subconsciously. Right? You, don't, you and I don't think about how it works. You don't live work, live work, heartbeat. You, we're not even controlling that. Our subconscious mind is doing that. Right? And then we understand that when we pour in God's word into our mind, when we pour in the proper theology into our heart, that changes the way we move in life. It changes us between stimulus and response. Right? Some people, you hit them, they hit you back. Some people, you hit them, you run. Right? There's a stimulus, there's a response. 
right? As you pour proper theology into your mind, it shifts your response to things. You begin to respond with faith. You begin to respond with a spirit of contentment. You begin to respond with a spirit of victory. So the Bible study she heard as a young lady told her that the hem was enough. Now imagine she went back theology. I need to touch his right hand. I need him to look northwest towards the temple at 333 and look at me with his left eye into my right eyeball and thus I will be healed. See, some people have too many things in their mind. Some people got bad rules. They got bad rules, right? Are you having a good day? I only have a good day if I get five compliments from the opposite sex. And you setting yourself up for failure. <laughs> You're looking for the wrong thing from the wrong people. So you understand, don't look at that stuff as a rule, look at it as a principle. Don't look at giving as a rule, look at it as a principle. Don't look at worship as a rule, look at it as a principle. Don't look at going to church as a rule, look at it as a principle. A principle that will build you. Amen? Amen. And your theology will help you give content to God's conquest in your life. Right? Now there's a time just to say, um, one time Jesus healed this man, and they were like, oh, he healed you on the Sabbath, he did this, he did that, and the man says, all I know is I was once blind, and now I can see. Right? But there's a time where you build on that. There's a time that you will build on that. It's time to, to understand the implications and ramifications of the power of your testimony, because the Bible says we defeat the, the devil with the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And there's a time to build on that knowledge. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. To, uh, a famous Christian um, author named Tony Capolo said that his wife is a brilliant woman. She has a PhD and was capable of pursuing very profitable careers. But they elected, and she elected, to stay home with their children when they were young. Her decision didn't bother at all, except when they went to social functions, and other people say, what do you do? And she would say, I'm a homemaker. I stay home and take care of my children and my husband. And they would would go, oh, and they would walk away completely underestimating who this woman was. And they would often ignore her, not let her contribute to the conversation. A woman with a PhD was ostracized because of choice to build her family. So she came up with a response. So every time somebody said, what do you do? She says, I'm socializing two homo sapiens into Judeo-Christian values so they can appropriate the eschatological values of utopia. I can't even read that. And people will be like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm a lawyer, and then walk away. And you know what? Her being able to explain why she's doing, where she's doing it, when she's doing it, allowed her to enter into a different realm of influence. Does it make sense what I'm trying to tell you? See, the Bible says he calls the foolish things in the world to confound the wise, but it doesn't mean we have to stay foolish. Thank you, my dear. Um, (laughs) 
See, understand we have to build. But see, some people don't know how to build that knowledge and wisdom and they stop pursuing, right? So it's the pursuit worship camp, right? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And they, they just like pursuing God and the prayer camp, the prayer warriors. And there's the theology doctrine camp. They just want to know more about the word. And, know, and a lot of times they don't get along, right? Like Christian bloods and grips, right? <laughs> the word, worship, the word, worship. <laughs> Start to write, worship, you know. <laughs> the word, like, you know, like that, the word. <laughs> um, but you could do both. It doesn't have to be either or. It could be both and. Barbara, he's looking at me like, he's crazy. <laughs> And the proof of desire is pursuit. This woman had to push. Push. Somebody say push. She had to push through the crowd. But I learned when I was in California that push also means pray until something happens. She had to push through for her breakthrough. In NA, right, when you join NA, they tell you your first 90 days, 90 meetings in 90 days. Right? 90 meetings in 90 days. 90 meetings in 90 days. Why? Because they want to flood you with hope. They want to check on your accountability. They want to just flood you and, and impart it to you, impart it to you. And that's why, as Christians, you got to go to Bible study on Friday. Because you got to be hungry. The proof of your desire is your pursuit. Like, oh, Pastor, I want to know more about God. But you don't show up on Fridays. Amen? Look at verse 45. 45 says, let me see how much time I got. Praise the Lord, time is going fast. Amen? Um, verse 45 says, And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive power coming, going out of me. Everyone is touchy, but not everyone is drawing. I said this morning, there are millions of people, right, in, on Sundays and Saturdays and Sundays, worshiping the Lord. California, Iceland, Australia, everywhere. But who is causing Jesus to, Jesus to say, who touched me? Everyone looks like they're touching, but who's really touching with faith? Can I hear an Amen. Verse 47, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. This was a public declaration that came at a big risk. She wasn't supposed to touch the man of God. And understand there was a mob, right? There was a mob of people around Jesus going with Jesus to see this Jairus daughter miracle. So remember, some of these are Jairus friends that don't want Jesus to stop. So understand that it could have went really wrong for her. Remember that when you're dealing with uneducated people with a mob mentality, they're not thinking. They're just reacting and copying one another. She could have been easily stoned to death in a second. People are like, stop. Stop making Jesus stop because he had to go to my friend's house. Why are you touching him? It could have been really bad, but she testified. I want to let you know that you have to testify. At work, somebody got to testify. 
on social media, someone got to testify. In the hospital, visiting someone else, someone got to testify. One time, um, Pastor Eddie Ramirez from Victory Outreach, Spanish Brooklyn, he came to see my mom when she was at her worst. And he came, he was praying, and then um, Jimmy knew someone, a, a Mexican lady, that her son was there. Jimmy, in the midst of his greatest need, pointed Pastor Eddie, said, go pray for that woman's son. And Pastor Eddie went, and God used him in a mighty way. Yes. Jimmy could have been like, no, you need to stay here with me. My boo, my boo, my boo needs you. <laughs> <laughs> But he had great faith. And I challenge you to point Jesus, point someone to Jesus in the midst of your problems. Can I hear an amen? We all, you know, there's a good verse 48. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Underline daughter. He restored her place. He didn't say, you, random lady, that should not be touching me. No, he said, daughter. When he said daughter, he pulled her into the family of God. Come on, come on. Say, so you were ostracized. You were stigmatized. You were ignored. You were talked about. You were robbed. But now you are a daughter. Come back into the fold. See, when you reach for God, you get that sense that you are a child of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? This is the only time Jesus used this word to speak to his believers. This is the only place in the gospel when Jesus calls someone daughter. This woman's faith in Jesus brought her into the spiritual family. Her faith was by the means she obtained her healing. Her faith her faith in Jesus. She didn't take an eight-week new beginner's course. She didn't even get baptized. She didn't even know the disciples' names. She didn't have the t-shirt. She didn't have the pin. She wasn't even a partner. <laughs> but he said, daughter, they see, some of you guys make it too hard to come to Jesus. <coughs> you make it too hard. Let us tell people, man, just believe, come to my church. Just invest in their life and invite. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. And let the Holy Spirit ignite. Ooh. Amen. <laughs> and then this woman, she creates a spiritual trend. In Mark chapter 5, we see this story, right? And in Mark chapter 6, write this down. Mark chapter 5 to 25 to 34, we see this story. Mark's uh, description of this story. But check this out. In Mark 6, 56, it says this. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country. See, you can't think Jesus is just for the city. Jesus entered villages, cities, and country. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged, begged him that they may touch even the hem of his garment. And as many touched them were made well. The hem of his garment. This lady set off a new trend. That the hem was enough. Your testimony can set off a new trend in your circle. Can I hear an amen? 
Her faith in Christ and her outward pursuit of an inward conviction changed her life. Now she is daughter. She creates a trend. And then Jesus says, go in peace. Right? Now, peace in the Greek in this term right here is I reine, right? And it means um, to go in peace and contentment, also to go in prosperity, also to go in quietness and in rest. That's what most people want. They want peace. They want contentment. They want prosperity. And they want to rest and, and stop with the anxiousness and the worry. So Jesus says, daughter, go in peace. He changed the trajectory of her life. Then says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Can I hear an amen? amen. As Natalie makes her way to the keyboard, I want to share with you a final illustration. And this is an area I struggle with in my life too, that I'm, I'm constantly seeking God's guidance in my life. We're talking about reaching for God. A man was being chased by a tiger. And he ran as hard as he could until he was at the edge of a cliff with the tiger in hot pursuit. The man looked over the edge of the cliff and saw a branch growing out of the side of the cliff a few feet down. He jumps down, grabs the branch, just as the tiger reaches the cliff. The tiger growls viciously as the man sighs a great sigh of relief. Just then, a mouse came out from a crevice and began to chew on the branch. The man looked down to what was a drop of a thousand feet, a sure death, and looked to the heavens and yelled, Dear God, if you are there, please help. I will do anything you ask. Please help. Suddenly a voice came booming down from heaven. You will do anything I ask? It questioned. The man was shocked to hear reply to his plea and yelled back, I will gladly do anything you ask. Please save me. The voice from heaven replied, There is one way to save you, but it will take courage and faith. The branch began to weaken from the mouse, and the tiger was growling a few feet away above the man. Please, Lord, tell me what I must do, and I will do it. Your will is my will. And the voice from heaven said, all right, let go of the branch. The man looked down at the fall of a thousand feet, certain dead. He looked up at the hungry lion a few feet away. He looked at the mouse chewing on the branch. And he looked up to heaven and said, is there anyone else up there? <laughs> See, we got to be ready. When we reach out to God, we got to be ready what he says. Jesus might told this woman, follow me. He might have told this woman, lay down your life. We don't know what's going to happen. But when we're desperate for God and we reach out to God and we pursue God, we got to be willing, ready, and able to respond to God's command of obedience. God's not looking for superstars. He's looking for surrendered people willing and ready to sacrifice. Some of us, we feel like we're barely holding on. And we say, God, help me. God, help me. We have to listen. Some of us, we feel like we're wrestling with poverty and God says give. Is there anybody else up there? But sometimes we feel like we want to do more for God and God says do the children's chapel. Is there anybody else up there? We have to be willing as we reach out to God, be willing to do what God has called us to do. 
Thank you for listening to another message brought to you by Victory Outreach North Brooklyn. For more information about our ministry and available sermons, please visit www.vonorthbrooklyn.org. Always remember that God is in control, and here at Victory Outreach North Brooklyn, you too can discover the difference that Jesus makes.